Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am a new parent. Three to five in your rotation of rookies. You can do a lot of good from dirty money. That is a fascinating way to die. We ain't got long, y'all. We have up the earth. Ooh, that hurt. Because it looks so damn good. You had to earn that Columbia Blue with losses. It's mad, it's sad, and it's business. Earl Campbell does not have his jersey hung anywhere in the city of Houston. Taking financial advice from Tom Brady is like taking romantic advice from Steve Hall. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard for this edition as we resume our regularly scheduled programming. We will be coming to you a lot more frequently because after all, it's football season. We've had the summer, the dog days of summer, which continues if you live in the city of Houston or most parts of Texas, you know. And if not, every part of the country, at least the United States, and I know we have listeners all over the world, but at least in the United States, you've been touched by some of this crazy weather as we continue to burn up, as it were. But nonetheless, hey, hanging out, I'm back. We have some fun stuff coming up for you. My football season has already gotten underway. It's the voice of the Texas Southern Tigers. I'll tell you all about that. In addition to that, this time out, we have our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL wide receiver, and, of course, Alabama State legend Reggie Brown. He will join us. We'll talk some NFL football as well. A little baseball, other stuff. We'll get into it. The money award for the big dummy and a whole lot more. So let's cram it in because we're going to have a couple of podcasts this week. So I want to remind you how you can stay involved and connected. You can call us 24 hours a day on the sports line, 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. Leave a, any questions, comments, feedback, requests, any of those things, you can reach out and leave a message 24 hours a day, and you just might end up on the next podcast. Want to get you guys interactive because, after all, I know uh, you enjoy hearing from me and from the special teams unit and our guests and all of that good stuff, but we want to hear from you guys, and that is what makes things compelling and interesting. Of course, we do KTSU Sports Talk every Saturday. You can call me up on Saturday mornings, but if not, this is a great outlet. And even if you listen to KTSU Sports Talk with myself and Ralph Cooper, and Kevin Allen, you can call me about something that happened on that show. So we can get into all of that. But 832-941-6614. You can go to the Facebook page, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. You can always find a lot of stuff there. A lot of uh, prime coach, prime posts there this week. But uh, folks will start to brag about the NFL team. If you have a story or if you want to have a comment on current events, that's a great place to go for our Sports Talk with Devin Wade community. And, of course, you can go to wadeswordproductions.com, the website. Go there to listen to past episodes. site is uh, under construction. We are working on it. So there's that. So all of those ways are ways that you can get involved and stay connected other than just by listening. But we certainly want you to listen and share. Make a comment on whatever platform you listen. If it's on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, please make a comment. Make sure you like us because those things are important to uh, show that you appreciate and like what we do here. So with that, we have a lot of stuff to get into. So let's start with some headlines. Where do we start with headlines? Let's uh, let me do this. Let's start with football, NFL football. Let's start with fantasy football. If you want to pick with the fellas of KTSU Sports Talk and a lot of former NFL guys, I want you to pick with us. This has been a big topic of conversation on KTSU Sports Talk. We do pigskin pick them every year. That's on ESPN. And I won last year. But there's been this huge debate about having one or two entries. And I've always had two entries, and others have had two entries. Some have had just one. So for whatever reason, there are people who think that I only won because I had two entries. 
but I won. I mean, really, the logic doesn't really make sense because you still have to pick the games right. I guess the counter argument, which, again, doesn't make any sense to me, is that, well, if you get one right here, you get uh, another, you know, say if you lose a game on one and you pick the opposite team, you win on that one. The bottom line is you have to pick the most correct games, and I've done that. I acquiesced. I kind of stepped back and I said, hey, one entry for everybody. So if you want to pick with us, let me tell you, we got some media guys. We have Nate Griffin that's going to pick with us. I think Butch Allsander picked with us last year. Bob Slovak picked with us last year. Haywood Jeffries, Reggie Brown, Pat Coleman, all former NFL guys picked with us. Who else picked with us? Uh, Chili Bill Smith from Morning Vibes on KTSU 90.9. Kevin Allen, Ralph Cooper, a bunch of guys from Good Looks Barbershop. Uh, Everybody is in on this. We had 50-plus entries to start last year. I know a lot of folks fell off pretty quick. But if you want to get in on that, this is how you do it. Go to ESPN.com. Go to Fantasy Games. Look for Pigskin Pick'em. Create your team and join the Sports Talk Devin Wade League. So, Sports Talk Devin Wade League. It's open to the public. Get in. And once you do that, please email me, Devin at WadesWordProductions.com, and let me know that you're in and who you are. Whatever your name is for your team, let me know so we can give you credit because we'll be talking about this on KTSU on radio quite frequently all throughout the year. It's a big deal for bragging rights. So if you want to do that, pick with us. Please join in and pick with us. And uh, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do what I always do. We are going to make it happen, and the Silver Fox will pay. Telling you, that's how it's going to go down. So let's start with football. The NFL season is about to start, and so we'll try to get another episode on before the start of the season. In addition to that, my Texas Southern season started with the 38th annual Labor Day Classic it is the biggest rivalry for Texas Southern in the SWAC, and our SWAC season has gotten underway. If you're not from Houston, if you're not familiar, SWAC is uh, just, it's, it's been great. It's gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of years uh, nationally, more so than they've gotten in previous years, in previous decades, and all that good stuff because of Coach Prime, and we'll get into that. But, man, it was another tough loss for Texas Southern. I am the voice of Texas Southern football. And I uh, had an opportunity to call my 31st season of uh, of Tiger football alongside Larry Chatterbox Hill, my 24th season working with him. I've been talking mad noise about the Tigers. Tigers were five and six last year. They were literally a minute away from going to the SWAC championship game versus Jackson State. They were close. Gave up a late lead to Alabama A&M, and Alabama A&M was really not good last year. We had an injury to Andrew Body, our starting quarterback, blew that opportunity. Uh, And we had that opportunity because Prairie View blew the opportunity earlier in the afternoon when they lost to Mississippi Valley State in their season finale. Southern ended up going, and uh, Jackson State just ran away with the championship game and went to the Celebration Bowl. But I came in this season saying, okay, Andrew Body's back. Got Jiren Johnson back. We have... Uh, a different defensive coordinator. We have a mature, quality backfield. We have talent at receiver. We're getting Ja'Cory Benjamin back in the secondary. You got Vermontis Pippins. You got a lot of guys that are ready to play. And I thought that this was going to be the year that we break the string, the losing streak that we started in 2014. We haven't beaten Prairie View since 2014. So I'm like, this is the most important Labor Day Classic in a long, long, long time for Texas Southern. And it looked like they were going to really do some things. And and they did. Came out, opened the drive, get down, miss a 36-yard field goal. Okay, so you wasted that drive. You get it back. You don't get it in the end zone, but you get a field goal. Then Prairie View scores a couple of touchdowns. You come roaring back. Bottom line is the Tigers ran off to a 34-17 lead in the third quarter and could not hold on and lost the game 37-34 in overtime. There was a missed field goal in overtime for Texas Southern. Curtis Falkenberg missed a 30-yarder, 30-plus-yarder 
And uh, it was just a rough, rough way to lose the game. That's the negative. And, and what's negative is that it is, it's a devastating blow to the fan base. For those who don't watch the team closely, they just look at the results and like, oh, here we go again. But that's not necessarily going to be the case here. Although it was a, a terrible way to lose, this same team lost a game last year to Prairie View, came back and almost went to the SWAC championship. So it's not insurmountable, but it's hard when you lose your rivalry game. And then we go on the road to play Toledo, and we come back, but we go cross town to play Rice. It's going to be difficult to come up with a win over the next couple of weeks. It's not impossible. We played Rice tough uh, a couple of years ago at Rice. Toledo in the MAC. Maybe we can do some things uh, against them. Uh, and like much in the way that we competed a lot with UTSA last year in North Texas. So it's an opportunity here to come up with a huge upset. And maybe you can get some of those fans back. But it's, it's going to be tough if you're not able to, to beat bigger programs on the road in some very tough matchups for Texas Southern after losing the opener. So that's the rough news. But what I encourage people to do is hang in there and continue to support because these are our guys. You know, if you support TSU, you know, you got to roll with them. And I know you hear all the usual talk about, you know, criticism of the coaching staff and the quarterback and all of those things. Andrew Body was really effective in a lot of ways, having three touchdown passes. He had three interceptions. But I will tell you, you look at Quay Davis, the transfer from Jackson State, looked really, really good. A.J. Bennett was really good. Jiren Johnson was a huge safety net. He was a guy, a big body, that was able to haul in like six, seven passes on the evening. So he got active, and I think that will continue. Ladarius Owens had a 77-yard rushing touchdown. He went over 100 yards rushing. Ja'Cory Howard was effective. He didn't get a number of carries, but he does what he does, and he'll continue to be your your red zone running back. We didn't see uh, Davion Ford. Saw a little bit of Sean Xavier Lewis, who had a big fumble. And, and a lot of stuff that happened to Texas Southern. Of course, when you lose like that, you're going to have a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Body for his three touchdowns had three interceptions and the Sean Xavier Lewis uh, fumble. So, you know, and not having a preseason and you start the season against your arch rival, you you don't get an opportunity to work those kinks out. And that's why I thought, really I thought, uh, having pretty much your primary guys back, you could eliminate some of that. But you uncharacteristically had some rough penalties. Ladarius Owens had a penalty that was difficult. Uh, set him back 15 yards, and then there was an interception. Stuff like that. You know, you you do these things, but but Body had some really bad interceptions. He sailed some balls, missed some throws. A lot of people are questioning whether that's uh, attributed to his shoulder surgery in the offseason. And, uh, of course, I'll have some conversations and try to get some some insight into that situation if, in fact, that was the case or maybe it was just rust. So, you know, because he didn't have a, an entire spring to throw. So he's not been throwing very, very long, but he's back at it. Let's see if uh, some things can be fixed as we go on the road. But there is a lot of excitement on that team, and I want people to keep the faith for Texas Southern because, of course, we go to Louisiana twice. We got FAMU coming in. FAMU looked phenomenal. And and speaking of other scores in the SWAC, our guy formerly, well, he's on the special teams emeritus He's not, well, not even emeritus because he's not really retired, but he's forever on the special teams unit. Eddie Robinson, head coach at Alabama State, of course, on this podcast for many, many years. He uh, and his uh, Alabama State Hornets, they won. They beat Southern 14-10 in a defensive battle. I didn't see that game because obviously I was calling my own, but that defense it looked phenomenal by all accounts. I talked to a number of people who said that that defense was for real. So congratulations to him on his start. Fam, you looked incredible. Got out to a 28-0 lead on Jackson State at the half. They, it was 28-0 at the half. That game ended 28-10. So FAMU and Alabama State might just be on a collision course for the SWAC's Eastern Division. We'll keep up with that throughout. If you have any questions on the SWAC, please hit me up. Uh, 
888-646-6614. Anybody you want to get on the podcast to ask about any school, let me know, and we'll try to work that out. 832-941-6614. So here's the deal. FAMU gets out, and Jackson State won the Swag Miak Challenge last week in week zero and looked great doing it. Come out against FAMU, a team they beat 59-3 to last year. Something like that, and uh, they just—they looked horrible. They did not compete with FAMU. FAMU looked like they were on a different level, and of course, TC Taylor taking over for Coach Prime, and that leads me to Coach Prime. So Colorado comes in a twenty-point plus underdog to number seventeen ranked TCU, and they win the game. Shadur Sanders five hundred yards passing. Travis Hunter was Mister Everything. I mean, a terrific. As good an interception as you'll see, breaking on a slant. And he played both ways. Over 100 snaps for that young man in the opener. And they win the game. 45-42 over TCU. And TCU, coming into this game, of course, they played in the national championship game and were totally embarrassed. It remains to be seen how overranked they were. Is this an anomaly and they'll right the ship? Or is this the beginning of a tumble for TCU after losing a lot of guys? A lot of guys, and they had some guys go to the next level, too. So that was a really good team last year. And still they had defensive uh, deficiencies last year. They did. They had defensive deficiencies. They were small up front, and Georgia just played with them like, like they were in Little League or something. And so they come out this year with all of this hype, or enough hype to be number 17 overall, and they, they do not get it done at home. And the hoopla begins for Coach Prime. And uh, if I've seen him once, if I've seen that locker room speech once, I've seen it 50 times on social media. People are celebrating. And cool. That's a good thing in some ways and a good thing, uh, not, a, not such a good thing in other ways. And, and this is what I mean by that. So everybody knows that football is a cutthroat thing. It really is. We try, or they've tried to disguise it for many, many years, talking about student athletes and amateurs, and and this is about hey, representing your school and all of that stuff. And the money over time has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and, the, and college football has been blown up. The Pac-12 is done. They're down to two teams that don't have a conference affiliation as we speak. Moving forward, they have one for this year, but moving forward. Even Coach Prime in Colorado, they're coming back to the Big 12. But money has just ruined the game. And finally, there are a lot of players to get some of it, which is deserved. But here's the deal. Even with the NIL money, the onus is not on the schools to compensate the players. They're just allowing the players to go out and get compensated. And, and a lot of people are having a fit about that. But money has ruined this thing. And it really is sort of the, the curtain was thrown back in a way when Coach Prime came in and pretty much just kicked everybody out. Not everybody, but most guys. He just, go away, you're not good enough to play here. And that that's unfortunate. And so you hate to see it. It's a realistic part of it. And there's no loyalty to the game. It's been like that. It just wasn't as rampant and widespread. And guys may not leave the program immediately. Some guys will be weeded out because the coach, it just doesn't, the player doesn't fit into the, the coach's vision or they want to bring in their own guys and they throw these kids away. And so it's a cautionary tale, again, to remind high school kids. And I think the, today's high school athletes that are getting recruited are much more savvy than I was. I mean, I had my own experiences, and one day we'll get into to some of that, and not to the extent that some of these guys had. But you realize a lot real quick when you're in that recruiting process and and all of the stuff that goes with it, because I certainly had an experience. It, it was really shocking in a way, but it is what it is. So when he came in, done away with most of the guys, just to say, basically said, you ain't good enough, get out. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the general theme of what happened. And so he's come in, he brought in his son, he brought in Travis Hunter, a number of players, a number of coaches, and they've been able to turn this thing around in a short time, at least in week one. It remains to be seen because the thing about it is in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and the ACC and the SEC, you got to do it again. 
So you did the TCU, but now you got to play Nebraska. And then down the line, you'll have Utah, USC, UCLA. You, you have to keep bringing it. And so we'll see. Congratulations to him. It's exciting for folks who are supporting the Colorado program. Uh, I don't – here's the thing. I don't think this is a reflection of anything, any of the opportunities they'll give African-American coaches. And I want to ask all of these people who are so happy for Coach Prime, are you still supporting HBCU football? Are you still watching Jackson State? I don't know what the numbers were yesterday, but all of these people who are talking about we need to support our own, we need to support the black universities. When Prime left, did you all leave? We'll have to see what attendance looks like at Jackson State. We'll have to see what the energy is like moving forward. Because for all of the energy that he brought to that program, which was great, which was phenomenal, how much of that is residual? How much of that will continue? We'll have to see. I mean, for me, like the, the whole thing with Eddie Robinson saying, look, I'm swag. And he got lambasted by a lot of people, even Stephen A. Smith, who knows nothing about the swag. You know, all these people went in on Eddie saying he was a hater for claiming his love and his dedication to swag. And again, no one but grudges, and I hate to go through this because I have been on television talking about this. I have been blasted on social media for some very sort of generic comments about Coach Prime. So I've been through the whole thing with this, but at the time I supported Eddie because, again, if you're going to stay, and this will have residual impacts for generations, that's great. And and, and Now, again, no one is saying – don't go get your money. Go get your money. But I want people to continue to support the SWAC. And we'll go to Jackson this year. Texas Southern goes to Jackson. We'll see. I'll see firsthand what the energy is like. So for all of the, you know, excitement around that, how much is going to continue? How much of that will sustain itself for the next couple of years? So some of the deals that were put in place behind that energy and some other things that we're working in, with on the swag side of things will continue. But let's talk about fan involvement, eyeballs on the screen, butts in the seats. Let's see how much we really walk the walk and talk the talk. Can't just have one guy be the movement. I mean, that's not going to work, you know, and, and it hadn't been that way. Of course, we had the legendary Eddie Robinson at Grambling, who was the ambassador for all HBCU football and one of the greatest coaches to ever coach college football, period, in the story, on any level. But he wasn't the reason why HBCU football thrived. So, I mean, HBCU football has some challenges, but a lot of those challenges can be overcome if you guys continue to come out Support, write those checks, buy those season tickets, support these young men, watch them when they're on TV, text about them, tweet about them, post on IG about them, and keep this energy going. But uh, I want to know how many of these Colorado folks who are just singing the praises of Dion are, are still supporting Jackson State and HBCU football. Let me know. I want to know. I want to hear from you guys about that. 832-941-6614. Going to take a time out, come back with more. Still have Reggie Brown and the Lamont Award and music from our resident DJ. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance. And finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. So, again, to clarify what my stance is about the whole Coach Prime thing is, I'm excited for him. That's good for him. But what happens is when these things occur, people choose sides. 
either their, their team coach prime or their team swag. And it can be both. And that's what I'm encouraging. I want people to say, okay, we can root for his success, but let's not forget about Jackson State. And, and I say this all the time. Coach Prime's presence in the SWAC helped my pocketbook. It was beneficial to me, so I thank him for that because the excitement, the energy around that created opportunities for even me. So I am grateful for that, but I never bought into the narrative that he, he was just being sort of angelic and bestowing his presence on the SWAC to lift the entire conference. I, I just wasn't buying the spiel. I understood what he was doing from the beginning, and I don't begrudge him for that. I think it just hurts the people who really believe that he was in it for the long run. And if you believe that, you had some real bitter feelings about that. So it doesn't have to be Coach Prime or the SWAC or Coach Prime or HBCU football. It could be both, and I'm encouraging people to continue the love and support and make this bigger than just about him. Because if it goes back to where it was before his, the, the spike in energy that he brought, if it doesn't continue, that would be a very sad thing. It should be a launching point for people who have not been familiar and been celebratory of HBCU football. Uh, you know, if you don't, those people don't come aboard and, and stay aboard, it will be really unfortunate that all of that energy would be lost. But we have some great people in the SWAC office, you know, friends of the show, Dr. Charles McClellan, and, and a lot of wonderful coaches and ADs and presidents around the conference that are going to do the things it takes, I hope, and uh, and I believe that it takes to continue to make this, uh, this conference grow and get bigger and better. Astros. Astros in a dogfight last night got swept by the New York Yankees. Big three-game series in Arlington. It's going to be a three-team race for the AL West as Seattle is in the lead. Texas is right there with them. Nashville's right there with them. And they have a lot of games amongst themselves going down the stretch. The important thing is, man, need the bullpen to tighten up a little bit. Need that to happen. And the offense has been so inconsistent. You know, last night I, I think they, they scored in the first, and then I don't think they had a runner in scoring position until the eighth inning. So that offense, you got Brantley back, who I've been, you know, I really have been excited about getting him back because not only what he does for you in the lineup, but what he does for other guys in that lineup, mainly a guy like Pena and, and just being a professional bat in that position to make plays and, and help that overall lineup and, and give guys pitches that come behind him because he's on base and, you know, they have to pitch to these guys. I mean, it's so many aspects to having him back, but also – Altuve, man, it was a scare last night with Jordan Alvarez. Thought he might be hurt. Fortunately, looked like they escaped that, but a sweep by the Yankees, which it stings, but they're not going anywhere. So it's like winning a game against your rival when you're 0-10. That's what the Yankees essentially did. Because I think at this point they consider the Astros their rivals. Although, you know, obviously they had Boston and others, but I think we're their chief rival outside of Boston. They hate us. We hate them. So they get it. But if it was a relevant series like it was in the playoffs last year, <laughs> then you come talk to me. Other than that, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So we'll continue to follow baseball. We're going to try to get some baseball folks on it to talk about the Astros in coming episodes in spite of the fact that uh, it is football season and will be primarily football. So that's coming up. Going to take time out. And here from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the other side, Reggie Brown and the Lamont Award. This is Eddie Robinson, head football coach of Alabama State University. And, of course, I listen to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. 
1-800-227-9950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. If you have music you want heard on the podcast, just hit me up and email us. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. A genre doesn't matter. The genre doesn't matter. And if you're a DJ and you have a mix you want us to work in, we certainly will do that. We'll play a portion at the halfway point, an extended portion of a mix, or an entire song at the end of the episode. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. I tell you what, man, it's been a long summer. A lot of stuff is going on. I have a new project, Life Tunes with Devin Wade. I finally said the name. I've never said it publicly. That's the first time. Life Tunes with Devin Wade, another podcast, a music podcast is coming out soon. But I want to apologize to you guys for the inconsistency over the last few months. But we have really been trying to restructure some things, work on some things. And uh, yeah, life happens as well. So I know a number of folks reached out to me. Thank you so much for reaching out and encouraging me and reminding me me that you missed me but if you have missed me hit me up 832-941-6614 and just uh, tell me that or anything else you want to comment on we certainly would appreciate that let's get into our conversation with our guy from the special teams unit reggie brown how are you i am good man Getting ready for some football, loving baseball, and uh, just glad to be back on the special teams. Man, I'll tell you what, man. This is our time of year, right? Both of us former football players, I mean, me to a much lesser extent than you, but again, this is our time of year, football season ramping up, fantasy, pick them, you know, all of that stuff, college football. Of course, you are a famous Alabama State alum. Of course, I'm doing Texas Southern football. So we got swag. We got NFL, man. How great is this time of year? It's the best time of the year, man. You know, I've had four fantasy drafts already. I'm looking at the crash and burn of my Yankees, but watching every game, getting ready for Alabama State to take on Southern this coming weekend. And it's just over and over, all I'm doing is bashing in the bliss, man, of what's to come in the next couple of days, man. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, of course, we're, what, a week and a half away from NFL football. And I know you and I talked as the Miami Dolphins came down for joint workouts. You had a chance to go and check them out. What did you see close up that you might not see if you just watched the game? Well, you know, being a former player and not being to a practice in a long time, an NFL practice, the one thing I took away from, man, was I paid attention to those guys who were on the bubble, man. Because when I played, I was that guy every year that I played, you know, right on the bubble and the cusp of fulfilling your dreams, but knowing that every play that you made or didn't make could determine your fate, man. And to look at those guys who had got an opportunity and now are trying to live out their dreams and think about when I played, how stressful that was, was uh, really brought back some fun memories to me as I was out there watching those games. So it had less about to do with football and more to do with my experience going through trying to make it in the NFL and then trying to stick while I was in the NFL. So take us back a little bit. Now, you know, I, of course, I know uh, covered the NFL. And, and, again, it's the competition is always there on every level and a lot of times for starting spots. But, to, like you say, to be on the bubble, 
What did that do for your psyche? I mean, were you able to be friends or ha- help out teammates, or was it an intense competition, even in the like in the child line or whatever? I mean, what was it like? Well, you get all of these alpha males together, and for me, I was just so singular focused. Like I was having conversations with guys, but my mind wasn't on those conversations it it, my mind was on whether i was walking to the child hall sitting down and talk i was thinking about the playbook you know i was trying to stay prayed up you know i was probably praying 23 hours a day (laughs) lord just let me make it you know what i mean right right so those but there is a certain camaraderie that you get just being in the nfl locker room because there's a oneness that you have to have to be successful and then um, when, you're, when you're on a team, you develop those relationships. So certainly that was there. But for me, it was all about just trying to make the team because, you know, I was a long, long, long shot. You, you remember, you know, when I played, there were 12 rounds. The Oilers, the year I came out, drafted four receivers because we were a run-and-shoot team. And I was an undrafted free agent. And so I had to overcome some pretty substantial odds to make it. And so I ain't have time to be shucking and driving. And I had to have my mind on football 24-7. And fortunately, it worked out for me. So nowadays with training camps, it's much less emphasis. Obviously, it's one fewer preseason game. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean when you don't have the opportunity against in game competition to prove yourself against an opposing team as opposed to working out every single day against the same guys. Talk a little bit about the importance of the preseason for guys like you were on the fringe. Well, it's a couple of things because when when the Miami played Houston um, in the preseason, I got a chance to go to both practices. They would practice for two days, joint practices, and then – the game was on Saturday. And what I found interesting was that we practiced two times a day back then. So I had many, many, many more opportunities to impress coaches because just, you know, there weren't time restrictions on practice. So these guys, if you're undrafted or a low draft pick, you get one or two opportunities to impress. And so that's the difference. And then that magnifies the game even more. I can remember having really, really good practices and then not necessarily having the ball thrown my way in a preseason game, but I more than made up for it in practice because they got a chance to see what I could do in practice. So the landscape is totally, totally changed. So as I recall, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really remember a lot of joint practices, maybe maybe against the Cowboys, but I don't even yes. really remember that. I mean, how many yeah. joint practices did, did you guys have a lot? Because I don't remember that being the case back in the day. Well, you, you, you remember correctly, we always practice against the Cowboys. We practiced in San Antonio, and they practiced in... I think it was Austin for a minute. Austin, yeah. Yeah, they practiced in Austin, which is about an hour and a half or so drive from San Antonio. They practiced in San Marcos. So it was a short drive between Houston and the... So we practiced against them every year, um, and we played them in preseason because of the just you know the Texas rivalry. We played them every preseason. But that was the extent of it, and... I want to say it was just that Thursday, and then we played on Saturday night. So it's one practice. It wasn't all week. And uh, so, yeah, it was totally different. If you had your choice, I, I, you and you sort of almost said it, would, would you choose to, to do it the way you did it or maybe do it the way you did it but have more uh, joint practices? I understand why the NFL does it right the way that they do it now. But the way I think that that there's a, and maybe it's just because I'm 53 and I'm old school. I just love those two a days. I love the fight, the, you know, really, really working hard. And more importantly, I like having the opportunity. I'm not sure 
if a guy like me would have had a chance to make a team. A guy from a HBCU undrafted. You look at Aubrey Miller, for example, who down in Miami. He had only so many reps, and unfortunately, the Dolphins cut him today. Now, they may or may not bring him back on the practice squad, but I think Aubrey Miller can play in the NFL. But I also think that not having the reps that I had is going to limit his opportunities to prove that he belongs. So I know that you probably thought, going out to practice, you probably thought what I thought. I mean, yeah, it's hot. It was hot out there, but boy, they Man. have the they have the coolings the, like the, the the cooler that they can walk into and sit. They had the breaks, you know. There was a wind kind of just coming through the facility, but it's still like it's so much easier. Then you guys had it. Did, do you feel the same way? Because, man, obviously everything moves so quick. And then you guys had so many more guys getting reps. You know, like you said, you would have 12 rounds, so you have a bunch of guys that get you know reps during the summer so your your starters don't get that much work or they don't have to, to get as many reps. Uh, but talk a little bit about you know the intensity and what you saw compared to, to your days. Well, the first thing that I would say is, is global warming is real. Oh, yeah. There's no way that we, and I was in San Antonio when we practiced with the Oilers. At St. Mary's. Harder than, yeah. Which is much harder than Houston. There's no way you could do a three-a-day practice in this weather that, that's out there now. There's just impossible to practice three times a day in this type of weather. And... They have to do it the way that they're doing it, man. Even yeah. with the, even with the way that they're doing, I mean, they have control. Everybody just stop and drink water. You know, no matter who you are, if you ain't just stop the practice, stop everybody, go get some water. The trainers are walking around. That didn't happen when I played. They have to do that now, just because of the weather, and then the fact that. You know, the, the practices, because there's time limits on the practices, they're so so paced. You know, I looked at it, and 707 was about 12 plays, where I remember there were like 25 to, you know, 27 plays, where as an undrafted free agent, I was able to get three or four reps a day. And I paid particularly attention to, receivers in that deal and some receivers weren't able to get but one rep during 707 because just everything is just so bam 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 and time restraints constraints are there yeah and i wonder as a, a former nfl player and coach because you did coach on the college level talk a little bit about how you watch practice what do you what do you look for? What do you see that maybe the, the layperson can't see when you examine and kind of break down what you're looking at in a workout like that? Well, one, obviously football is all about making plays. And so, one, that's what you're looking for. Do guys make plays? When the ball is in the area, if you're talking about receiver, you know, are you able to get over? How you have, are you able to make a, a, a catch? But it's really those intangible things that you're talking about. Of do you recognize when a DB flips his hip? How does you how do you adjust to that from an offensive lineman? Can you really go and move in those you know confined spaces? And as you watch film, and the that's why the average fan will look at a play and say, "Wow, this happened." But then when you go back and look at the film you really get a chance to see why the play went. And so a lot of it, I test from fans is one thing. Going back and look at the film, nine times out of ten is totally different than what you thought, what made the play work or didn't work. Well, like I said, a, a lot of excitement on uh, the Miami end of things. Obviously, you're a Miami native and a huge Dolphin fan. And if folks have listened to you at all during the, the podcast, they know uh, where your heart lies. Let's talk a little bit. Before we get to the Dolphins, let's talk a little bit about the Texans. It will be C.J. Stroud starting. What do you think about that decision to start him out of the gate? I personally don't like it. I have to be honest with you. I, I like C.J. Stroud. I'm a 
for all intents and purposes, I'm a Texan. I've been living here now for almost 30 years. And so while I'm a Miami Dolphins fan through and through, I support the Texans and the Texans organization because I live in Texas. I watch the games. I go to the games, et cetera. And I want to see that young man be successful. But I think the college game doesn't lend itself to quarterbacks being successful right out the gate, particularly a guy like C.J. Stroud, who just has so many bona fide athletes around him. So I think that he would more benefit from sitting on the sideline, watching David Mills play, learning, digesting the NFL game, because for all intents and purposes, the Texans are going to go 6-11, and 7-10. Eight and nine. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. It'll be hard to get to eight wins. Yeah, but maybe. Yes. Yeah, but maybe. Which means that the only good thing that can happen to him playing now is he wins a few games. The upside is very minimal. The yeah. downside of him playing, though, is he loses his confidence. He's not successful. People start calling for Davis Mills because he's turning the ball over. He doesn't understand the game. There's no win for him being on there. In my mind, you sit him for six or seven or eight games, and then you bring him in and you let him get that playing time and be ready for the next season. Yeah, I'm sort of surprised that pretty much out of the gate, there was no real competition. And I know he was the second overall pick, and I get that part. But I think, I guess the only benefit, I mean, when you look at this makeup of this team is that he should have a decent offensive line and he should have a, a decent complimentary running game. But I'm with you. I would not do this because if you are a fan of the team and you start off with Davis Mills or Case Keenum, whatever way you decide to go, you know it's only a matter. You're a three-game losing streak away from C.J. Stroud coming in and re-energizing the fan base. If you start with this young man and they go 0-6, 0-7 out of the gate, you know how it is. Even though people really – we understand. that People understand situations and, okay, this was the circumstance he was put in. At the end of the day, you will get judged negatively for losing games. But And furthermore, let me say this, and you can tell me what you thought of seeing him up close. He didn't look ready to me. And well, he, that's true. Yeah, so, yeah. In, in practice and in, in games. Well, you know I'm in those Twitter streets. And, you know, I, I, I'm in a lot of – obviously, I stay in Miami Dolphin spaces, but I venture off into Texan spaces because that's where, you know, it, it's the home team, if you will. And my my argument to the Texans fans was he didn't show command of the offense. And when I say command of the offense, I mean ownership of it. I'm the guy. Clearly, as a rookie, you're going to make mistakes, right? We, we know that. But being able to check in and out of plays, being able to have people rally around you. One thing about a veteran quarterback is people have confidence just in knowing that you know. Well, the converse of that is true. People don't trust you when they know that you don't know. And there's no way that C.J. Stroud can know an NFL offense at this point. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job of covering for him and they're saying all the right things. But I saw him in two practices throw four interceptions. And, of course, uh, one of his opening passes in the preseason was an interception where he locked in on a guy. And, and again, those things happen. And and every time that comes up, people are like, well, Peyton Manning had an awful rookie season. And, yeah, I get it. I get it. But, uh, you know, he's right. no Peyton Manning. Who, who right. Who, who you talking And Peyton Manning in his podcast said that he wished he wouldn't have started. He wouldn't have played as a rookie. So there's that. I mean, the guy who is one of the arguably top 10 quarterbacks, depending on where you put Peyton Manning, says that I shouldn't have played as a rookie. Yeah, so like I said, that there's layers to that. And, of course, your team, what I what I noticed when I watched the Miami Dolphins, man, and, and this was even – I think Tyreek played one series, and, you know, Jaden Waddle, uh, Waddle didn't play at all. 
this team is just fantastic in, in the skill positions. And I think outside of Kansas City's offense, you I would put them right up there with any offense as it pertains to excitement. Obviously, you got – I think – Baltimore can be because of the electricity of Lamar Jackson, but not in scheme. Uh, I think that this is one of the more creative offenses. I know San Francisco kind of does some very creative things as well. How exciting is it going to be to watch this offense, especially and really exclusively if Tua stays healthy? Well, I'll answer that two ways. One, Dolphins' world is pretty – we we struggling right now. You know, we wanted to upgrade the running back room, and we tried to go out and get Dalvin, and he chose to go to Minnesota. And then we tried to go out and get Jonathan Taylor, and Jim Ursay is a <laughs> And so we gave him a fair offer, you know, fair uh, offer, and he's holding Jonathan Taylor hostage and, You know, maybe it's the nose candy that he's reportedly (laughs) been known for. You you hit way (laughs) below the belt on this one. I'm just saying that the fans don't want to be. You you know the rules, man. We gave him a great offer, and Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be there. So Dolphins' world is pretty shit right now. as, As good as we feel about our team, the one thing that I can appreciate is we with Tyreek and Waddle and Berrios and Ezukama and have bringing in Vic Fangio, we've continued to try to get better and continue to go out and say, even with the weapons that we have, when you get in December and you're in Buffalo or you're in Cincinnati or you're in Kansas City, you're going to have to be able to run the ball. And so we tried to address that this offseason and but you guys, I mean, I think the Dolphins have serviceable running backs. It's not like you have trash back there. You have solid NFL running backs. I mean, and obviously you can't pay to have all pro players at every position, and you're heavily invested in the wide receiver position. So, I mean, I don't feel as bad. As an outsider, I don't feel as bad for the team's prospects running the football with the tandem or trio that you have at running back. Well, I think that the difference is, We've had some success because teams have have tried to stop our passing game, right? So they've looked at our running game as we're going to tackle the running back on the way to the quarterback, right? But when you put a Dalvin Cook or a Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, now teams have to game plan for your running back. And teams don't game plan for our running game. And so... Rightly, they've tried to make defense not become – because, again, as you know, our, the same thing happened to us last year. We lost – in December, we lost three out of four because in December it gets start getting tougher to throw the ball and you got to have a running game and we couldn't run the ball. And so, you know, we lost three out of the four. Well, and I, I mean, think obviously – yeah, to, to tool was thing. out yeah, and all of yeah, that. Yeah. And there's all of that. But the reality of it is I love what the Dolphins are doing because they're trying to go all in. And um, But still, as you said, Raheem Mostert averaged 4.9 yards a carry last year. Jeff Smith averaged 4.3 yards a carry. So if you're averaging 4.3, and then I think the biggest thing for us as an organization, as a team, is you get Mike McDaniel as a second-year play caller. Yeah. And you get Fig Vangio on defense. So I fully expect us to be right in the mix, man. It's going to be a great football year. But the AFC is so loaded, man. You know, I mean, the division, I mean, what do you think of Aaron Rodgers? I mean, first of all, I'm sick of ESPN already with Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm over them. And, and and I haven't even watched Hard Knocks, so I can only imagine. But what do you make of – you got to talk about them. What do you make of that team? Because you know they have some talent in the skill positions, and defensively they are better than probably everybody in the division but Buffalo. I mean, or they can be. What do you what do you make of uh, the, the Jets in your division? Well, obviously, you know, their offensive line is a question, and Aaron Rodgers – acumen and how invested he is is an issue 
You know, what happens if they start off 0-2? We know that he struggles when there's not continuity there. And based on all reports, there hasn't been continuity in the offense because there's so many different pieces. There's a new offensive coordinator. They've brought several receivers over from Green Bay. Uh, the running back is shelved. You bring in Dalvin Cook. So there's a lot of question marks just about continuity. Obviously, I think that if they hang in there and don't lose a lot of games early, they'll certainly be in the mix. But I think, to, to your point, would you be surprised if New England, with that defense and the way that Bill Belichick sees football, is not in the mix as much as we think they're down? They got one hell of a defense. They can run the football. No one's going to be surprised if New England is in the mix along with Miami, Buffalo. So it's going to be a dogfight yeah. all year long. Then you consider the AFC with Pittsburgh, I think, is going to be better. What happens with Baltimore and their revamped offense? Obviously, Kansas City. What happens with Denver having Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean, yeah, Payton. Sean Payton now. So the AFC is just wide open. Yeah, and then you're not even mentioning a team like Jacksonville that's on the come. Right. That, and then, you know, the Chargers. So you can go really, really deep in, a, in, a, for, you know, in, in talking about the AFC. And, of course, we're going to do more of that next week. We're going to get your predictions. I have to give you my – I'm activating uh, our fantasy league as well. So that's coming up too. So maybe you'll have to add another. Because you, you participated with us last year, so you're going to have to get in well, with us I've again. Well, I've a couple of years. I've played a couple of years and you ceremoniously reminded me that you won the league last year. Well, I won the pick them. I, I didn't win the fantasy. I won the pick them, though. Yeah. Right. You won the pick them, which while I was listening to you, I didn't take kindly to you telling me or reminding me that you won last year. So <laughs> I did. I got that in my uh, mental roller deck. So I just want you to I know tell that. you what, and look, and, and it's <laughs> a bunch of media guys in there. Nate Griffin, I think uh, Butch was in there, Butch Alsander, uh, uh, Ralph Cooper's in there. So it's a lot of media guys and a lot of former players, you and, and PC, Patrick Coleman, and Haywood Jeffries. Like, so it's a lot of, lot of uh, high-profile guys. So when I do win, you know, I have to make the most of it because I beat some, well, some serious talent. Again, you were very subtle with it, but I, <laughs> I, I, I it's it's kind of like that Tyson jab. I mean, that Tyson <laughs> uppercut. You feel it. You know what I mean? I felt that when you kind of slid it in there, so I just want you to know that, and I made a mental note that you won, so I'm going to be watching you. Hey, man, well, good luck to Alabama State, and of course, we're a week away. We'll talk again before the NFL season, and it's pretty much, we're pretty much going to probably visit every week, every other week uh, from now on until uh, January, because, man, we have a lot to cover, and a lot of folks want to hear what you have to say, so I look forward to it. Hey, some people say offense win championships. Some people say defense win championships. I say special teams win championships, baby. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Doc. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank our guy, Reggie, as always. But now it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Now, you know, I've been sporadic in releasing new podcasts, and this uh, this dummy, this Lamont, is uh, a little dated, but I wanted to get in on this because it's something that needs to be addressed. If you don't know who Noah Lyles is, join the rest of America. Primarily, mostly. Uh, he is the world champion in the 100 meters and the 200 meters. He's a bad, bad man on the track. But this is what he had to say about sports in the United States of America. You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love the U.S. at times. <laughs> but 
But that ain't the world. <laughs> that is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. <laughs> you know who he sounds like? It just occurred to me. He sounds a little bit like, and if you tweak it just a little bit, doesn't he sound like Kanye West? When you hear that and, and sort of the, the pattern of speech and, and, and really almost what he's saying is kind of crazy as well. So here's the thing about Noah Lyles. If you had to ask the ran, a random sports fan in America who Noah Lyles was or, or your name track, your famous track people, he would probably come in just behind Jesse Owens. He definitely would come behind, uh, you know, Flojo and Usain Bolt and Tyson Gay. And, and uh, I mean, just you can name, you can go a long, long time and people will never know who he is. They won't know who he is. And, and that doesn't take away from his abilities because congratulations to him. We finally have an American winning the 100 and 200 again. So, but I'm just, he's not on the sports landscape. You had to really love track to know who he is. And, and it's unfortunate because at one time track was one of the major, major sporting events. Now we pay attention generally during the Olympics. And, and that's just about it. I checked in on the world championships, which was in uh, Budapest this, uh, this year. And I understand that in Europe, Track and field is much more popular. That's where they run all their pro events. It's a big, big deal overseas. Not so much here. And so I, I get maybe a little bit of that anti-American sentiment. So what's up with the conditional love of the United States? I love the U.S. sometimes. I love the United States sometimes. I mean, first of all, yeah, we get it. We got our issues, but I'm not going to go to somebody else's house, the neighbor's house, and talk about what I feel about my house. Family business stays within the family. So that is a, a big no-no for me. I get it. We understand. I'm a black man in America. I get it. We have our grievances, but I'm not going to go to Europe and be like, hey, man, I love America every now and then. No, America needs to be your main gal. And you need to represent her abroad like that. So that's a big problem that nobody talks about. The other thing is the world champion of the United States. Yeah, okay. Because guess what? The Tokyo Tornadoes ain't coming over here and winning an NBA championship. The Berlin Bears ain't winning an NBA championship. There's no team, no club team in the world better than the world champion, whoever that is, whether it's the Denver Nuggets, the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Lakers, or the 94-95 the Rockets. There's no team in the world better. And a third of players in the NBA are from abroad. So we take the best and brightest from all over the world. They all want to come here and play. And hence, it is a world championship. It's a world championship. It's for all the marbles because no one anywhere else... What same with baseball? You think the Havana Hubcaps or whatever, what you whatever nickname you want to give them, the Havana Hotbirds, whatever name you want to give them, do you think that they can come over here and compete with any major league team that wins the World Series? You think the Astros wouldn't beat any team, any team? Now, if you want to put national na nations versus nations, that's fine, and, and we still win it all because even though we just lost in the World Championships of basketball which we will probably ultimately win the championship, the FIBA championship. If we really sent our best and brightest, they wouldn't have a chance. But Steph Curry's not over there. Harden is not over there. LeBron is not over there. Anthony Davis is not over there competing. And we still are going to win it all. So, yeah, I get it. I understand that you have beef with the United States, and maybe this will raise your profile. Congratulations to you. You are a bad man on the track, and I hope that you bring home the gold next year. We will be rooting for you hard, hard, hard. But right now, you are probably, even now of current track people, you are probably at least fifth or sixth. You got Sidney McLaughlin. You have uh, Shakari Richardson. You have... Frazier Price, you have other people that are much more popular in the track world than you are, and hopefully you raise your profile, and I mean, I know all of your statements were tongue-in-cheek, and it was a whole lot of fun, but for the purposes of this episode, you know Lyles are a big dummy. You big dummy! <laughs> <laughs> Let 
let me say this. I do find it extremely refreshing to have any comments that are interesting at all because so many athletes have nothing to say. So I hope he takes the Lamont Award in the spirit in which it was given. We are rooting for you. Congratulations. We are happy for you. But uh, no, don't, don't, uh, whatever happens in the house needs to stay in the house as it pertains to your love or lack thereof of the United States. So let's, you know, again, Take it in the spirit in which it was given, um, but you do get a Lamont Ward. With that, before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, want to thank Reggie Brown, want to thank DJ Anarchy, Cobank Holmes, and Brighter Brains, want to thank them, want to thank you guys, missed you guys, looking forward to hearing from you. I want y'all to blow that sports line up, 832 941 6614. Hopefully, we gave you some things to think about and some things to uh, respond to and uh, keep you engaged in this world of sports and more. Getting out of here, but I do want to remind you guys to hit me up on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. Give us a call, 832-941-6614. Follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word. It'll be the Devin Wade soon, but on Instagram at the Devin Wade. And if you can't remember any of that, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.